0: You're listening to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast. For more information, check out our website at www.shorelinecc.com. This week, we are in week three. Week three, that's trois in French. Week three of our series marked A Life Turned Upside Down. And we're looking at the pivotal question that Jesus asked his disciples when he said, Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? See, there's a lot of power in questions, isn't it? Do you know that many of the, uh, the uh, great inventions and many of the things that we enjoy today, it began with somebody asking a powerful questions. How many of you enjoy questions? You, or you've asked a lot of questions, okay? Questions are so important. I mean, questions began. Some some of the greatest inventors of our time—Thomas Edison, Ben Franklin, uh, people like Leonardo da Vinci and Galileo—the many inventions that they created came from asking great questions. And one of the inventors that I recently came to know was someone named named Tim Berners-Lee. How many of you've heard of Tim before? Yeah, there we go, okay. All the IT people know who he is. See, Tim was the guy who developed the HTTP colon forward slash, forward slash. And that may not mean a lot to you, I know, something called the Internet, okay? But what that did, what that did, was it opened up and it made the Internet freely available to everybody. Imagine your life without the Internet. During Snowmageddon, the Wi-Fi went down, and we all were broken in tears, okay? This is the guy that has brought this to you. And I didn't know about him until recently. Do you know how I found out? I Googled it. (laughs) I Googled it. I said, who are some of the great inventors of our time? See, Google is a place that when we have questions, when we have things that we're trying to find out, we often go to Google Now, even though we know that two-thirds of our our information comes from social media as far as to what we're taking in, it's not all accurate, but Pew Research found out that two-thirds of us do that, we still tend to go to Google to ask questions. Do you know what some of the top questions were in 2018? I do, because I Googled it. And when I Googled it, I found out that one of the top questions for it, the number two question was, what time is it? A lot of people don't know what time it is, so they're Googling. That speaks something to it, doesn't it, okay? Another question was how to lose weight. These are top ten questions here, okay? And then coming in at number nine was a very important question that I hope you all know. Number nine was when is Mother's Day? When is Mother's Day? Well, May is easy. May 12th. May 12th, we're going to have a great Mother's Day, be inviting people, but May 12th, but one of the top questions of 2018, you ready for it, you got a drum roll going, one of the top questions of 2018 was, who dies in the new Avenger movie, Infinity War? (laughs) Hey, Google said this, not me, okay? One of the top questions, so don't say it in case somebody hasn't seen that yet. Don't know who that would be, but if you haven't seen it yet, you you can go and see it, okay? Now, while Google is filled with lots of information, lots of stuff, is everything that we find online true? No, No, it's not true. Is everything we find on social media true? (laughs) No. Someone say yes? Wow. Um, Talk to Carol later, so Carol's uh, got extra time now. Not everything we see is true. We need to realize that there are two key things that we need to embrace if we're going to get to the truth because we want to get to the truth. We need to be getting to good information, especially as a body of Christ. We need to be truth seekers. Evangel University, the university I went to, its mantra was all truth is God's truth, meaning that God is the originator of truth. We see this truth in us. But to do that, we need to have two key things. The first key thing is to consider the source. Every good journalist does this. If they're not considering the source, they're not a good journalist. Is the source truthful? Is it legitimate? Is it real? That's the first thing. But the second thing is equally important. We need to ask the right question. See, you can change your question in order to get the desired outcome that you get. Surveys do this all the time. We can make up surveys. If we're not asking the right question to the right source, we will never get to the truth that we need. We will never get to the truth that we need. And what I love about this in Mark 8 is that we have the source, who is Jesus, who is asking the question. The question. So let's look at this together. Mark chapter 8. Let's read this together. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah, but Jesus, not to talk about him. So today we're going to be looking at three key things. Three key things. First of all, we're going to look at the power of a question. Questions are powerful. But this question, it leads us into the power of discipleship. This is our call. The right question, the powerful question, it leads us to discover that power of discipleship. But it ultimately ends us at the power of the answer. The answer that we give is powerful. The powerful question that leads us to the power of discipleship that brings us to the powerful answer. How many of you are ready to receive that power from the Lord today? Father, we open our hands to you because you've enabled us, because you've called us, and because your love has brought us here to this moment. So, Lord, speak through me. Speak through me today. Let it be your words. Let it be your words. And, Lord, may our hearts be a heart that reflects. Lord, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Is that your prayer? Just pray it. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Say it again. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. So let's start with the power of a question. See, questions are powerful. And the question that comes at this point, this is the climax of the gospel of Mark. This is halftime, and Jesus comes in with this powerful questions. And he asks, he said, who do we say that Jesus is? See, this is the most powerful question before us. How we answer this question of who Jesus is to us, who is he, determines so much about us. One of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, said it this way. He said, The most important fact about any person is not what they at any given time may say or what they may do, but what they, in their deep heart, conceive God to be like. Conceive God to be like. A.W. Tozer, in his landmark book, Knowledge of the Holy, goes on to say that if you could find out what is in the heart of a person, what they believe about God, you can predict their future. What we believe about God, it leads us, it guides us, and it says so much about what is ahead of us. This is the question. And this is what Jesus is trying to get out. He's trying to get out what's in our heart. And he uses a question to draw out because there's power in asking the right question. There's power in asking the right question. See, questions are powerful tools. Michael Hyatt says it this way. He says that a good question, they can ignite hope and lead to new insight. When you have the right question, when you're asking it powerfully, It can bring hope to your life, and it can bring the insight that we need. But unfortunately, we often fall in the trap of asking wrong questions. How many of you have ever asked a question and you wish you could pull it back? Right? Does this make me look fat? Have you ever asked that question? That's an awkward moment. (laughs) Am I losing my hair? We ask all these questions about us that can lead us down. See, we need to be careful because wrong questions, they, they can destroy hope, and they can keep us stuck in bad assumptions. Because every wrong question is backed with the wrong assumption that we have. See, when we're going through a difficult time, like we're being turned down for a job or something that just, it can be catastrophic to us, we're tempted to ask the question of, why does this happen to me? What's wrong with me? Why am I going through this? Have you ever asked yourself those questions? See, the problem with those questions is it's backed with this bad assumption that's often a wrong assumption. One theologian said it this way, he said, as soon as we ask these questions, our brains go to work serving up answers. It's almost automatic. The answers have a way of reinforcing the assumptions that are behind the question. For example, if you ask what's wrong with me, you're assuming there is something wrong with you, and your mind immediately begins proposing possible answers. Have you experienced that? You start asking these questions. And the mind is made to engage in that. The mind is saying, you want answers? I can bring answers to you. Here's the problem. You're too young. You're too old. You're too experienced. You're inexperienced. Have you ever experienced that? See, the mind, it can come into that. It can say you're too passive. You're, you're too assertive. You're too this. You're too that. It's almost like a feeding frenzy on Shark Week. You start asking these questions. The answers arrive. And I think sometimes we ask these questions because we want a good answer to come at it. Are you too young? No, you're not too young. Are you too old? No, you're not too young. But unfortunately, our mind doesn't operate that way. And the sharks begin to circle. The sharks begin to circle, and they come in. See, our brains can give answers. But the problem is they're not always the right answers, the truth, because they're backed by a wrong assumption that comes from The wrong questions. See, wrong questions will always produce the wrong answers. That's why asking the right questions are so important. And this is what Jesus was known for. Jesus was known as the ultimate question asker. And I would say this, many of my professors, my mentors, people in my life who've done so much to lead me, they were amazing at asking these powerful questions. Can you think of a powerful question that maybe someone in your life has asked you and it changed your life forever? See, right questions, they bring hope and they bring healing because they get right to the heart of the matter. See, when the disciples were struggling, Jesus didn't look at the disciples and go, why did I pick you? What was I thinking of that day? Aren't you so glad Jesus didn't ask that question about us? Why did I pick Dwayne? Look what he did. That's not what I told him to do. See, Jesus asked the questions of his disciples when they were struggling. He would ask them questions like, Why are you so afraid? Why do you have so little faith? See, Jesus gets right to the core of it. And this is the power of a good question, of the right question, because questions can invite you into this conversation. See, questions can engage you to really think about what you believe and what you're seeing. And see, Jesus, he would often answer a question with another question. How many times did the Pharisees ask him a question? He said, what you're asking is this, but what you should be asking is this. And it would stump them, and it would get right to the heart of what's going on. See, it would have been very easy for Jesus to give us all the right answers. He could have just written a book, and he did. (laughs) But what does the Bible tell us? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us see jesus is not just out to give you the right answers we can google all kinds of answers jesus is out to connect with us jesus is out to transform us see we're surrounded by the evidence but yet we are separated we don't lack information we don't lack information what we lack is the connection that results in transformation Jesus is always after a transformed, renewed heart. And this is the power of that right question because the right question enables us to experience the power of discipleship. See, Jesus asks questions that pull people in because he's trying to engage them in the power of discipleship. And see, discipleship is not about being perfect because it says as you follow, as his disciples were following him, Jesus would ask him questions like he asked right here. It was as they were following that Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And this question was asked at halftime. This is halftime. They were already following him. And so Jesus at halftime, he gets his disciples in a locker room. and He's like, okay, who do you say that I am? Does that seem a little bit late to you? It seems a little bit late to me. I mean, you would think that Jesus, he would have settled this question way before You want to be my disciple? You want to follow me? You need to have clear in your hearts who's in charge here, buddy. You need to have clear in your heart everything that's going on. You need to have clear in your heart. As a matter of fact, here's an entrance exam. I want you to go off, fill this out, I'll grade it, and if you do it perfect, then maybe I'll think about discipling you. This is not what Jesus does. And thank God, I would have failed that test. See, it's as you follow And this is a key point in discipleship is that we learn as we follow Christ. It's as we're going, as we're walking, as they were going down the way, he was asking the disciples these questions. See, the disciples, they didn't know everything about Jesus when they followed him. And how could they? See, the the disciples, they were battling with a wrong expectation of who the Messiah would be. And this expectation can only be corrected as they follow Christ. How many of you have ever had a wrong expectation of Jesus? When we give our lives to Christ, everything is not fixed in that moment. It's as we follow. See, sometimes we isolate this to Christianity, and it confuses us, but this is how we live our life. See, I didn't know everything about college before I went. I showed up at college and my piano professor said, "Dwayne, it's a miracle that you even got here. <laughs> Lesson one. <laughs> she was a great mentor in my life. See, I didn't know everything about college. I didn't know everything about marriage before I got married. Sorry, honey. How many of you knew everything about marriage before you got married? It's going to be awesome. Waffles and bacon every morning. We don't, yeah, yeah right. We don't know everything about it before we go in. There are so many things that we only learn as we're going. Most of the jobs that I've had, I didn't know. I would say every job that I had, I didn't know everything about it. I didn't know half about it until I got in. Was there some training that happened? Yes, some training. But I would say for the most part, it was on the job training for everything. Are you with me this morning? And this is discipleship. See, they didn't know everything, but they said yes to an opportunity. Jesus looked at them brought the opportunity, and they said, yes, I will drop my net, and I will follow you. And I'm so glad that the disciples' uncertainty over who Jesus was, it did not stop them from following Jesus. When Jesus called them, they didn't know everything. They had a lot of misconceptions about who the Messiah would be. But do you know what drew them in? What drew them in was Jesus had authority. When Jesus spoke, everyone knew there's something different. There's an authority but he also had the love about him. It was the authority and the love. See, when Jesus spoke, he spoke with authority, but he acted in love, and this was brand new. They had people that would tell you, I have the authority. They didn't speak with it, but they would tell you they had it, and the love was often absent. But see, Jesus, in his love, he pulled people in. Think about three weeks ago how we talked about how Jesus pulled in the outsiders and it ticked some people off. But that's what Jesus does. He doesn't ignore the insiders, but he just says, we're all welcome. This is a level ground. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Everyone's welcome. His love pulled them in. But his authority is what set people free. See, so he's pulling them in, but he's not pulling them into nothing. He's pulling them into the authority, the authority that's in him. Mark chapter 1, at the very beginning, it says that they were astonished at the teaching of Jesus because he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. They were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Jesus' authority was unmistakable. It was unmistakable, and yet he loved everybody coming in. See, Jesus, he had the authority of the Messiah, but he loved that he included everybody. And this didn't compute in everyone's mind. And this is one of the biggest challenges, because this is not the Messiah that they thought it would be, as we talked about last week. I didn't order this Messiah. What do I do with this Messiah? But I'm so glad that Jesus, he loves us enough not to base his call on my life, on our life, on perfection. Anyone say amen to that? See, Jesus' call, it is based on our faith. It is based on our faith. That's how we know God, by faith. But there's a risk that comes with faith because a faith is not prove it and I will follow. Faith doesn't say prove it and I will follow. Peter didn't say put a board in front of me to kind of inch it on and then I'll walk on the water. Faith says you tell me to do it, Jesus, I am in. And this was a big obstacle, especially to the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees, they were constantly looking for a miracle, but they were looking for the miracles to test him. This is why Jesus said, I'm not going to do your miracles. I'm not going to jump through your hoops. I'm not going to put on a show for you. And this is why the disciples struggled, but they still followed. Do you see the difference? The Pharisees struggled, and they wouldn't follow him. The disciples struggled, but they followed him. They said, there's an authority, there's a love, there's something going on here. I know it, I know it. Because, see, it's amazing to see what Jesus can do with a little faith. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Why is your faith so weak? Why do you have so little faith? That was not an insult. He's saying there's some faith there. He was saying to Peter, watch what I can do to strengthen your faith. Watch what I can do in your life. Do you know how much faith you need to move a mountain? A mustard seed. This little tiny seed that you can barely see. And he's saying, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, Be moved, and it'll be cast into the sea. This is what we're talking about this faith. And it's a perfecting faith that Jesus is inviting us into. He's saying, I can perfect your faith. Walk with me. It's a perfecting process. See, his work is being perfected in our lives. It's on-the-job training, and we need to realize that. We need to step in and say, if you call me, I'm going to go because I know you're with me. I'm going to take courage, and I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of the God, and I'm walking with you. That's all I need. So at halftime, halfway in, Jesus throws down this question and says, who do you say that I am, and drops the mic. The big question. And this is the pivotal moment in discipleship. And I would say even for us, for all of us. This is the pivotal moment in all of our lives. Who do we say that Jesus is? Because we often assume it. We often assume what we think it is. And so Jesus, he's throwing it down. He's saying, who do you say that I am? And he asks it in a series of two questions. Because Jesus is really smart. And he begins with this big group known as they. You know who they are, Right? because they know everything, and they say it all, and they can justify anything going on in our lives. So he starts with they. See, they is a lot easier question to answer, isn't it? Right? So if, if you feel like you're backed in the corner, if you can say, well, they did this, or they told me to do this, or they believe this, there's no accountability in that. And so Jesus is pulling out, he's harvesting everything that's in the heart. And he's saying, who do they say that I am? Much easier question. And so what they say is, to them, here's what they're saying about you. He's essentially saying that, to them, Jesus, you don't fit their mold. So they begin to put all their theories together. So because Jesus didn't fit the mold, they go through these theories and they say, well, some say that you're like Elijah. See, Elijah was taken a bodily form away, so some say, well, maybe Elijah's come back and now he's here to help us and to rescue us. Maybe that's it, because Jesus doesn't fit our mold of who the Messiah will be. To some, they say he is John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist had previously been beheaded and killed, but maybe this is just a reincarnation that Jesus is coming back as John the Baptist. Or maybe he's a great prophet. Matter of fact, maybe he's the greatest prophet of all time in Israel, and they had a high image of who a prophet would be. These are good things to them, but all of these are wrong. And that's the problem with they, because they are normally wrong. Have you done this? Someone said, well, they say, and then you say, well, who's they? Who are you talking about? What's going on here? See, they are normally wrong because they are used to kings and prophets. They were hoping for a militant king who would come in and destroy. They wanted a Messiah that would come in and do everything that they wanted, everything they hoped for, everything they dreamed for, everything that they prayed about. And I think one of the biggest problems is that this group called they who were looking for the Messiah, they were used to much more mystery in their life. They were used to more mystery as it related to God. So when things didn't make sense, when things weren't there for them, they could say, well, that's just God. And the mystery kind of helped them move in and out of that. But now, a big, big God is coming down, becoming flesh and being among us and inviting us to an accountable relationship. And that's scary. See, we can play games when it's all out here. But when Jesus walks in and says, I'm calling you to follow me, my hands are real. I'm the son of the living God. That's scary for us. Because that brings accountability. That's Jesus standing before us and we hear him and we know him. And this was too much for them. This was too much for them. And this is upside down to them because God is bigger than I can imagine, more than I can explain, more than I can hold, and he wants to live inside of me. Think about that. This is too big. And then Jesus gets real personal and he asks, who do you say that I am? This was the second question. So that's all them. Now who do you say that I am? And this answer, it requires ownership. There's no more they. They have left the room. Who do you say that I am? This is a question of ownership. This is a question of accountability. This is a question where the eyes of Jesus are looking right into your very soul. The same eyes that called Matthew, the same eyes that called Peter. See, this is a call to action. And Jesus, he's asking for judgment at half point. Who am I? Who am I to you? It's in the midst of the journey, not at the end of it when all the questions are answered, when all the proof is finally in hand. He's saying, who do you say that I am? See, this is what faith is. I love how one theologian says it this way. He says, faith is a judgment about Jesus and a willingness to act on the judgment in the face of all other possible judgments. Did you catch that? Faith is a judgment about Jesus and a willingness to act on that judgment. Yes, I believe in you. Yes, I have faith. Peter, why is your faith so weak? Let's strengthen it. Let's strengthen it. And it all comes down to here. And this is why our answer to Jesus is so powerful. See, the answer is powerful. See, powerful questions will always lead to powerful answers. So Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter looks at him and says, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. Not the first time he heard it, but now he's looking at him. And when everything's down, he's looking at him and saying, yes, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the promised one. But see, we need to realize that Peter's answer, it was not based on new information. Even though they didn't have Google, they knew all the stuff. There was no new information to be had here. Peter's answer was based on a realization and the transformation that has taken place in his life. So when Jesus halfway through says, who do you say that I am? He's throwing it down saying, you are the Messiah. My life is being transformed. Everything around me is being transformed. I've been following you now. I know that you are the Messiah. I know how you love me. I know how you've called me. I know the authority that is in your voice, that even in the middle of a storm, you are there. You are the Messiah. I know that. See, we can know about God, but if our hearts are hard, he can be unknown to us. I have so many friends, so many family members. They know about God. They grew up in the same town, the same church, the same loving parents. But they don't know God. I have friends. They read the same stuff. They read the same books. They know about God. And when it comes to knowing about God, there are even those that even can quote more theologians and more information. But their heart's hard and they don't know God. This is what Jesus is saying. This is what he's calling us to. Jesus is inviting us to know him, to know him, to be known. He's inviting us to experience the presence of God that changes us, that transforms us, that renews us. And this can be scary. See, when Peter was saying that, there was a lot going on in his life. Jesus is saying, Are you ready? Are you ready? See, the previous half of Mark, you'll often see, as he said in this passage, now go and, tell, go and tell no one. You're like, why would you not want to tell anybody? What Jesus is saying is, there's so much confusion, you're not even certain who I am. There's faith there, there's things coming out, you're not even certain. So the whole first half is this whole discovery. He heals people, don't tell anybody. He restores people, don't tell anybody. Pharisees are asking for these miracles. He saying, I'm not going to do it you don't know who I am. And now he raises this pivotal, draws this line in the sand, and he starts his way to Jerusalem, and he says, now we're going to start telling everybody. You know who I am? We're going to start to move. This is the power in an answer that he's giving now. See, Peter's answer, it revealed the presence of God in his life. And because of Peter so much in the book of Mark, he leaves out, So many of the things that I would have been like, man, Jesus said this about me. Jesus said this about me. Look what happened. I walked on water. All these things he left out. I want us to go to the book of Matthew to see what Jesus said after this. Because in the book of Matthew, after Peter said... You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Here's what Jesus said, and he records it in Matthew 16. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. He's talking to Peter, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. He's saying, Peter, you have heard from God. You did not learn this from any human being." Now, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, my family, my initiative, my kingdom, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you forbid, you, Peter, on earth, will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Wow. One question Who do you say that I am? And in Jesus, he pours it all out. You know. And he starts off by saying, you know what? No person has told you this. His answer, that answer, you are the Messiah, he's saying, no other person. This was not man's answer. See, a lot of times we lean into man's answer, to human's answer, to whoever the woman is next, to whoever the man is next to us. Whatever's on Facebook, whatever's there, it changes us instead of us changing it. So many times social media becomes a disciple maker instead of us being disciple makers that God's called us to. He's saying, you don't watch other people. You don't follow they. Because they will lead you wrong. They will lead you astray. And even ourselves, sometimes we can lead ourselves astray. The voice in our own heads is so strong that it drowns out the voice that God's trying to say to us. Now, God can drown anything out, but he chooses us the opportunity to choose him and to walk with him. And this is what he's saying to Peter. He's saying, God has revealed this to you, and you have heard See, Proverbs 9 says, The fear of the Lord, the awe, the wonder, the mystery of God is the beginning of all wisdom. This is where wisdom comes from. It's not just information, but it's saying, You are my God, and I will serve you. And then Jesus goes on to build on the confession. He says, You will have all power. The powers of hell will not conquer it. Think about that. In this one question, you say on the Messiah, You're being transformed, Peter. You're the rock I'm going to build on, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And then he says, All authority. Think about that. This is not your mom or your dad or your uncle or your boss saying all authority. This is the Almighty God, creator of the universe. Do you see the relationship that Jesus is inviting us into that transformation? He said it after the realization of, yes, you're the Messiah. That bowing of heart. And he said it to him, recognizing he's not going to be perfect. Did Peter make mistakes after this? He sure did. Have you made mistakes since you've given your life to Christ? I have. But he's saying, now you're following me. You know who I am. You're tasting and you're seeing that the Lord is good. You're pulling it in. And all power and authority, I'm going to start flowing through you. This wasn't a credit card with an unending limit that Jesus was handing off to Peter. He's saying, look, I am in you. I have no limit. And I'm going to guide you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to speak through you. You will see power like you've never seen. You will see authority that you've never seen. And even later towards the end, he's saying, now you're going to go out and do greater things than me. And it's all in the midst of a struggling servant trying to follow and figure out who Jesus is. In the middle of all this, I know you don't know it all. I know you're discovering it, but I'm walking with you. Wouldn't you love somebody to treat you that way? The first time you blow it, you're not fired. The first time you, you blow it, they're not writing you off as a bad son, as a bad daughter. But they saying, rise and walk. Do you know who I am? Peter, do you know who I am? Do you know I can heal you? Do you know that I can, if you die, I can raise you from the dead? If you don't have any food, I can make food so you have baskets and baskets left over. We get so caught up worrying about food, worrying about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, all these things. And Jesus is saying, do you know who I am? Do you know the power and the authority that's going to come as you surrender to me? But it requires us realizing who he is, following him, step by step, day by day, recognizing him. At every course of our life, when you hit a storm, Jesus is asking you, do you know who I am? When you get turned down for a job, Jesus is going to say, do you know who I am? When you get a bad answer from a doctor, Jesus is saying, do you know who I am? When your kids are falling away, Jesus is saying, do you know who I am? And he starts with us because he's saying, I want to change you first. Because he wants to flow through us. He's saying to Shoreline Community Church, Shoreline Community Church, do you know who I am? Who do you say that I am? Because how you answer is going to predict your future. He's saying to your marriage, he's saying to everything, do you know who I am? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Jesus, open our eyes so that we would see who you are. We need to know who you are. Lord, we can write it on a page. We can tweet it. We can put it all over social media, who you are, but sometimes our life does not reflect someone who knows who you are. Lord, reveal that to us today. Help us to walk in that power, in that transformation that comes only by knowing you, only walking in you that when we fall down, we look to the hand of our Savior picking us up and we get up and we keep going, we keep walking. You're preparing us and you're leading us, but we need to realize today who you are. Who you are. Be in us, oh God. As you're just processing today, I want you to just take a holy moment and just ask yourself, who do I say that Jesus is? And don't, don't look for the Sunday school answer or, or anything else, but if someone were to look at my life, Jesus, how would they describe you in my life? And this is not a word of condemnation. This is a word of Transformation. Because when I go to the great physician, he looks at me and says, all right, Dwayne, we're cutting this out today. We're going to bring healing. I'm going to pour it in. I'm going to strengthen it. I'm going to take your weak legs and I'm going to strengthen it. So ask Jesus, reveal to me, Lord, what you would do in me. Reveal to me, Lord. And then what is your answer to God? Do you desire to walk in the power? Do you desire to walk in the authority? If he's in you, that's what's trying to come through. Where are the areas of your life that God is calling you that you're saying, God, I need your power and your authority here. I need it in this relationship. I need it in my workplace. I need it in my family. I need it in my marriage, amen? And as the worship team sings, I'm going to invite you to step out. If Peter can step out of a boat into a (laughs) storm, we can step out because we need to talk. We don't live our faith in our head. We live our faith in our hands. Let's walk it out. There's communion. I want to invite the pastors and our board members just to line up across the front. We have prayer team members around the side. Let's walk to somebody. We need to be a praying church because when we pray, God changes us. But we need to speak it out. There's no more hiding. Let's respond to this word. Who do we say Jesus is? And where am I looking for his power and his authority to be manifested in my life? And maybe today it's like for the first time, I see you as the Messiah. The promised one, I want to surrender my life to you. Meet me down here. Let's respond. Let's respond to the word of the Lord today.